Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to a special edition of The Lead, The White House in Crisis. I'm Jake Tapper. In what has been a nonstop and truly unprecedented day of news, President Trump apparently furious about the whistleblower whose allegations now threaten to bring about his impeachment. Sources tell CNN that Mr. Trump, behind closed doors earlier today, said he wanted to know who in his administration spoke with the whistleblower. And according to The New York Times, which first reported the story, President Trump then said, quote, because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do in the old days when we were smart with spies and treason, right? We used to handle it a little differently than we do now, unquote. An apparent reference there to executions, as well as a misuse of the term treason. But the president's over-the-top response comes in context, comes after a key moment in the Trump impeachment inquiry. Today, we got our first look at the full whistleblower complaint about the president, the one that sparked this whole impeachment investigation, this whistleblower sounding the alarm about President Trump using his power to get Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 election. And the White House, according to the whistleblower, then trying to lock down records of that phone call, hiding the transcript in a computer system where only the most sensitive national security information is typically stored. Today, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said it is clear what this sounds like to her. This is a cover-up. This is a cover-up. Those allegations of abuse of power and an ensuing cover-up would be quite damning, would be extremely unethical. And now, of course, it is up to Congress to decide if those acts happened and if they are impeachable. Today, the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, testified on Capitol Hill defending the decision to not immediately hand over the whistleblower complaint to Congress as prescribed by law. But McGuire would not say whether he spoke to President Trump about the matter. Did you ever speak to the president about this complaint? My conversations with the president, because I'm the director of national intelligence, are privileged. Acting DNI McGuire also added that he thought the whistleblower and the intelligence community inspector general both acted in good faith. Let's go straight to CNN Sarah Murray. And Sarah, despite President Trump attacking the whistleblower's sources, the acting spy chief says he believes the whistleblower did all the right things. That's right, Jake. President Trump and his Republican allies have questioned the credibility, the motives of this whistleblower. And we saw from the acting DNI today, as he was pairing these questions from lawmakers, he said, look, it is not my job to investigate this complaint. That was up to the inspector general. He found this complaint to be credible. And then he went on to say that he believes both the inspector general and this whistleblower did essentially exactly what you're supposed to do in this situation. I want to stress that I believe that the whistleblower and the inspector general have acted in good faith throughout. I have every reason to believe that they have done everything by the book and followed the law. 
So you could see him sort of stepping out there and offering the defense he could. He also admitted that he does not know who this whistleblower is. He does not want to know who this whistleblower is, though he's committed uh, to maintaining this person's protections and ensuring they're not retaliated against, Jake. And Sarah, the, the acting director of national intelligence, McGuire, was asked multiple times about his conversations with President Trump about this. He refused to answer. Mm-hmm. But there was one part of his conversations with President Trump that he was willing to discuss. That's right, Jake. I mean, this was obviously a point of frustration for lawmakers. They wanted to know whether he and the president had ever talked about the complaint. He wouldn't say anything about that. But he was asked, did the president want to know who this whistleblower was? Did he want you to find out? Here's what he said. Did the president of the United States ask you to find out the identity of the whistleblower? I can say, although I would not normally discuss my conversations with the president, I can tell you emphatically, no. Now, he also confirmed that no one else at the White House, no one else at the Justice Department has asked him to try to figure out who the whistleblower is. But, Jake, you can imagine lawmakers were very skeptical today. They had a lot of questions for him about why he would have taken a complaint that mentions the president and Attorney General Bill Barr by name and then gone to the White House and the Justice Department. Indeed. Sarah Murray, thanks so much. The complaint lays out in detail the whistleblower's concerns that President Trump was pushing a foreign power, Ukraine, to investigate his potential 2020 opponent. CNN senior justice correspondent Evan Perez is with me now. And Evan, what exactly does the whistleblower say about President Trump's conduct? Well, Jake, this is the, the, the bombshell really in the complaint, and it has to do with what exactly the president was up to when he was making these conversations, saying these things to the president uh, of Ukraine. Uh, part of the complaint says in part, uh, I have received information from multiple U.S. government officials that the president of the United States is using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 U.S. election. Obviously, Jake, uh, that is the center of, of, this, of this controversy. Now that the White House has released a phone call, everyone can make a judgment to determine whether or not they believe this is what the president was doing, asking the Ukrainians to investigate his uh, likely uh, uh, rival in the 2020 election. Uh, Nevin, what does this whistleblower say in the letter about how the White House handled the aftermath of the phone call? Right. And uh, what the whistleblower says is that there was an attempt to a cover up. Essentially, people at the White House knew that this could be a problem. And so what it, the whistleblower says in part is this. Uh, I learned from multiple U.S. officials that senior White House officials have, inter- have intervened to lock down all records of the phone call. This is the Ukrainian phone call, especially the official word-for-word transcript of the call that was produced. This set of actions underscored to me that White House officials understood the gravity of what transpired in the call. And Jake, uh, according to this this whistleblower, uh, other phone calls, other interactions were handled in a different manner. This one was handled in a completely separate way. And again, that's that's leading to all of the accusations of a cover-up. All right, Evan Perez, thank you so much. The New York Times first reported in CNN has confirmed that President Trump earlier today told staff from the United States mission to the United Nations that he wanted to know who provided information to the whistleblower about his call with the Ukrainian president. And whoever talked to the whistleblower was, quote, close to a spy. And then he said, quote, in the old days, spies were dealt with differently, an apparent allusion to executions. I want to bring in CNN's White House correspondent, Boris Sanchez. Boris, how was this met by staffers? Jake, many were stunned. According to the New York Times, some actually even laughed. This was a crowd of about 50 people. According to uh, the reporting, uh, the U.N. ambassador, Kelly Kraft, was also in the room for this. At least one of these people was taking notes. 
And that's how we know what the president said. Listen to this quote specifically. The president saying, quote, I want to know who's the person who gave the whistleblower the information because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do in the old days when we were smart about spies and treason, right? We used to handle it a little differently than we do now. Jake, the president making an apparent suggestion uh, that these people should potentially face the death penalty. Very noteworthy considering the issues uh, circling this president regarding obstruction of justice in the past and the fact that these officials could potentially become witnesses in the very near future. Also because the acting head of the DNI was testifying at the time that this whistleblower acted lawfully and did the right thing, Jake. Yeah, there's certainly going to be questions about witness intimidation uh, based on those remarks. Boris, uh, we are also just learning that Corey Lewandowski, the president's former campaign manager, is in conversations with the White House about potentially heading up the impeachment team to defend President Trump. Uh, that's right, Jake, a familiar face returning to center stage, potentially. Uh, this kind of gives you an idea of the scramble behind the scenes at the White House with uh, people close to the president telling CNN that they wonder if the White House actually has a plan to respond to this impeachment inquiry. Uh, according to multiple sources, Corey Lewandowski has had conversations with White House officials about joining some kind of team to respond to this inquiry. Notably, Stephanie Grisham, the press secretary, told CNN there are no plans to form an impeachment response team. Lewandowski told CNN that he had not spoken directly to President Trump, but he didn't totally deny the reporting altogether, Jake. Right. When last we saw Lewandowski, he was testifying on Capitol Hill. Among the things right. he said was that he doesn't see anything wrong with lying to journalists, which is essentially the same thing as lying to the, the American, American people. people. Yeah, yeah, Boris, thanks so much. Much more in our breaking news, including if the whistleblower will testify before Congress. You're watching a special expanded edition of The Lead, The White House in Crisis. Stay with us. We're back with our breaking news. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff today confirming his plans to bring the whistleblower in to testify before Congress, presumably behind closed doors. Schiff also says that the whistleblower has given Democrats a, quote, pretty good roadmap to investigate the president on the Ukraine matter. Let's chew over all this with my experts. Uh, Dana, let me start with you. So much news, so many things going on, crazy comments made by this person and that person. But let's stick to the fundamental issue right now, which yeah. is this whistleblower uh, who was deemed credible mm -hmm. uh, by the inspector general of the intelligence community appointed by President Trump, mm -hmm. saying that President Trump uh, was seeking foreign assistance uh, to help damage his political rival, and then the White House helped cover it up. Yeah, I mean, that really is the is the, the thing that we have to keep in mind. There's so many details about, you know, uh, what the law is and about and all, it's alphabet soup with IG and IC. Put all that aside. When you boil it down, it is the president of the United States made not just a phone call, but according to this whistleblower allegation, a series of phone calls that people in his orbit thought were so problematic that they broke protocol, I don't know if it's the law, but definitely protocol, by putting it in a place that is supposed to be for top-secret information. Um, and the people who saw that happen were so concerned about that cover-up, mm -hmm. alleged cover-up, that they were telling other people, and it got to this whistleblower, and that's when he wrote this down. And that's huge. And, and that provides a huge roadmap, as Adam Schiff said, for them to do, to, to go and ask all of these people who were involved and not just um, putting these, uh, these, these transcripts in a, in a vault, but also the people who thought that was a And Nia, we've heard a lot of uh, Trump defenders uh, and the president himself attacking people. One thing we haven't really heard is any 
denial of the essential facts, many of which have already been confirmed by President Trump and the transcript and Rudy Giuliani speaking out in the open. Yeah, yeah, I mean, which makes it hard to uh, deny the facts because you've got uh, this this call and obviously the whistleblower uh, complaint. They tried to attack, you saw in the hearing today, sort of tried to attack the whistleblower, basically say, well, the, the whistleblower uh, didn't have firsthand knowledge. Well, he, he clearly, he or she clearly uh, had enough knowledge to match uh, in this complaint what was in that call. Uh, this is a replay of what we saw from the Mueller probe, right? To attack the media, to attack uh, Democrats, basically uh, to attack attack the whistleblower uh, in this case. But that, I think, is going to be hard to sustain, given that this, according to this complaint, the people who were giving this whistleblower uh, information worked in the White House, right? Or or were White House officials. And you imagine if you're the president, uh, and the president is known for conspiracy theories, he thinks there's a deep state, he thinks there's sort of spies all around him. In this case, uh, there are people he could be working closely with uh, who were so concerned about what they were seeing that they were telling other people uh, that this this could have represented an abuse of power. So that's why you see him lashing out uh, today and essentially saying, wow, these people uh, should be handled and handled harshly. Uh, Jen, you worked in the Obama White House and the Obama State Department. How, what was your read on how this was handled, both the call and mm-hmm. then White House officials, obviously seeming to know that they had a problem on their hands, uh, putting the transcript were normally not politically sensitive, but actually like intelligence matters sensitive information was put. Well, in a, in a period of 48 hours where there's been a lot of striking and shocking information, I think two of the pieces that there's going to be a long tail on are the web of people who were aware of what was happening and their role in this. Uh, and as you mentioned, I was in and out of the White House for eight years. For at least half of that, I worked closely with the national security team. This is not a decision that would have been made unless there was a high-level directive to do it. Um, so there had to have been awareness at a high level. But the other pieces, a piece that really Uh, stood out to me is the fact that this was not the only call, not the only time. So, yes, he asked the Ukrainian president to look for dirt on his opponent. What about his calls with Mohammed bin Salman? What about his calls um, with President Putin? Uh, What about his calls with Duterte of the Philippines? People he has talked about having good relationships with who have kind of uh, you know, are not aligned with the, the views or, or the values of the United States? Has he asked them for information? Where is that? Is that also in the same server? So to me, this could be the tip of the iceberg. We don't know. But there's a lot of more questions that I think Adam, uh, Adam Schiff will ask, journalists will ask, and, and, and expect we'll learn more in the coming days. And Amanda, CNN sources are now confirming that President Trump attacked the whistleblower's sources behind closed yeah. doors uh, the New York Times first reported the story, report, reported that President Trump said behind closed doors, quote, I want to know who the person, who's the person who gave the whistleblower the information, because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do in the old days when we were smart with spies and treason, right? We used to handle a little different, a little differently than we do now. What's your response uh, when you hear that? Well, the strongest talking point that Republicans have right now is that this is all secondhand sources. So it's pretty obvious to me that President Trump is trying to intimidate anyone else from corroborating the story because those are this, first-hand sources yeah right? the the complaint details there's half a dozen people who can corroborate this who told him this so he doesn't want them to come out this is an act of intimidation and the people who have knowledge of this i have a message there's strength in numbers they can attack one or two people and smear them they can't smear dozens and there are dozens of people with knowledge of this national security risk and a lot of republicans i think they're shaky on this When you talk to them, many of them admit it's concerning, but maybe not impeachable. And I think they need to be asked this honest question. How will it be prevented again? Because President Trump has done this twice now. 
with Russia welcoming uh, foreign interference and now Ukraine. And it's clear, it's obvious that President Trump is not deterred by a sense of internal mm -hmm. ethics or the law. So if you won't impeach him, please tell me what you're going to do to protect the elections and restore character and dignity and truth to this office, because I don't know what the answer is. And so I would like them to tell me. And you saw this talking about Republicans. You saw this dynamic begin during the primaries in 2016, that people who were asking questions of that ilk mm -hmm. back then, they just got steamrolled by the president because he has and he still has this connection with his supporters which still exist, those supporters who, are, who make up the base, never mind of the Republicans in the House, but also even Republican senators from purple states who are going to need those supporters to get reelected in addition to some Democratic voters. So that is really the thing we have to keep in mind, is that even him screaming at people saying, you know, this is treasonous, or making this phone call, the Fifth Avenue line still applies. All right, everyone stick around. We've got a lot more to talk about. And coming up next, one of the seven freshman Democrats who wrote that op-ed calling for the start of impeachment hearings. Does the whistleblower's complaint, does DNI McGuire's testimony change anything? Stay with us. And we're back with our breaking news. A whistleblower complaint released today claiming that President Trump pressured Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 election. And then the White House hid that information away in a computer system usually used for especially sensitive information. Those allegations, that news, as more than half of the House of Representatives now says they back an impeachment inquiry into President Trump. Joining me now to discuss Democratic Congressman Jason Crow of Colorado. He is an Army Ranger veteran and one of seven Democratic freshmen who wrote an op-ed calling for impeachment hearings to begin. Uh, Congressman, uh, thanks for joining us. Now that you've read the rough transcript of President Trump's call, with the Ukrainian president. You've read the whistleblower's complaint. You've seen the acting director of national intelligence testify today. What's your reaction? Well, I was very disturbed last week when these allegations first came to light. Uh, yesterday, when we read the, the rough notes from the call, uh, I was even more disturbed. And then yet again, uh, more shocked uh, today as, you know, not only uh, are there uh, corroborating witnesses, apparently, but this seems to be a broader issue uh, involving potentially the attorney general, Mr. Giuliani, meetings uh, in Madrid uh, between folks uh, at the highest levels in Ukraine. There's a lot here, uh, so we have to follow a, a process and we have to do it quickly because this goes to the core of national security. I keep hearing Democrats say quickly, what does that mean uh, in the next month, in the next two months, in the next six months? I don't think we know yet. I mean, the urgency is being driven by the fact that this is an ongoing national security issue. And all of this has to be understood within the context of what's going on here in Ukraine. Ukraine is an act of war with one of our chief uh, enemies, Russia. And one of the reasons why there aren't Russian tanks uh, going across the plains of Ukraine right now is because of our assistance, uh, our support, uh, you know, our, our provision of things like these Javelin mis missiles that came up in, in the complaint uh, that are really critical for not just Ukraine's security, but the security of Europe uh, and our soldiers and, and our uh, sailors, our airmen serving in Europe. So we have to get at this quickly, but we have to be thorough as well. You represent, uh, I think it's fair to call it a, a swing district. Uh, and it will be very competitive, no doubt, in 2020. Do you think that supporting an impeachment inquiry or even going farther and ultimately supporting impeachment will hurt you in your reelection chances? You know, here's the thing about the politics of this. Um, you know, I took 
an oath, uh, the first oath I took to the country when I was in uh, my teenage years. I've taken many oaths to the country uh, over the, the course of several decades. I took my most recent oath uh, earlier this year when I joined the Congress. You know, to me and my colleagues that signed on to that op-ed, you know, that oath is, is more than just words. It's a way of life. It's a commitment to the country, to our national security, and sometimes that, uh, that entails sacrifice. So I'm not going to think about the politics of this. We have to divorce politics from this because you know, duty is calling us to fulfill our oath to protect the country. This goes to the core of what uh, we have to do to make sure that we're getting our arms around this issue. You said sacrifice, obviously, in the, in the terms of military service, that seems... Uh, that means something much more serious. It means a sacrifice of, of life or limb. Yeah. But generally, you seem to be suggesting that ultimately you're going to do the right thing, whatever you think the right thing is. And if you lose your job, then that's just the price you pay. Is it? Am I reading that right? Yeah, I'm not going to think about the politics of this. You know, I think the people of my district uh, support uh, me bringing transparency and accountability to Washington. You know, they're concerned, as I am, about uh, uh, making health care more affordable, uh, immigration reform, uh, addressing the gun violence crisis. You know, I represent a district that's been disproportionately impacted by gun violence. You know, we were the, uh, were the location where the Aurora Theater shooting happened, Columbine, uh, many other uh, uh, shootings. We have to continue to address those issues, and we're going to. You know, over the last nine months, we have passed over 260 bills addressing kitchen table issues, and we're going to continue to do that. Uh, but at the same time, we also have a role to make sure that we're maintaining checks and balances. And the people in my community uh, respect that, and they want me to uphold my duty. Do you think that what will no doubt be an incredibly contentious partisan process, uh, we've already seen that happen this week, will make any success in legislation on those issues you just talked about, healthcare, immigration, uh, gun, gun laws, impossible. In other words, the Republicans won't work with you in the House, the Republicans won't work with you in the Senate, President Trump won't look at any legislation. Might that be, even though I'm not disputing that you think you're doing the right thing, might not, that not also be a result of this? Well, you know, I, I hope that's not the case, and I'm going to fight very hard to make sure that it's not. Uh, you know, just by way of example, yesterday, when all of this was uh, really blowing up, uh, I attended my small business committee hearing, and you know the committee level is where the work gets done in Washington. And we passed four small business bills unanimously in that committee. You know, so there are areas of Congress that work, uh, and I'm going to continue to focus on finding uh, ways to work with uh, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle to deliver for my community. I think we can do that, uh, and I'm going to I'm going to work really hard to make sure that we can continue to deliver for folks. But we also fulfill our duty to keep the country safe. Democratic Congressman Jason Crow of Colorado, thank you so much for your time, sir. Good, yeah. to, good to see you. Thank you. Good to be on. Coming uh, moments ago, we just saw the acting director of national intelligence. He was leaving his testimony. Uh, he went before, behind closed doors uh, and met with the Senate Intelligence Committee. That was after a long day of answering questions uh, in front of the cameras for the House Intelligence Committee. We heard from McGuire earlier today. He said he believed that the whistleblower who came forward acted in good faith. Of course, now the questions, will any of the people named in the whistleblower complaint be subpoenaed to testify before Congress. Our legal experts will weigh in on who they want to hear from next. And we're back with our special coverage on the lead. A number of people named in the whistleblower complaint that was released today could now find themselves potentially on a subpoena witness list. Aside from President Trump and the Ukrainian president, the whistleblower specifically names Rudy Giuliani and Attorney General William Barr. U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine Negotiations, Kurt Volker, and others who are not specifically named but were on the call. I want to bring in two CNN legal analysts to get their perspective on the whistleblower's allegations. We have with us former federal prosecutor Laura Coates 
and Kerry Cordero, who was counsel to the U.S. Assistant Attorney General. Laura, let me just start with you. Is it really possible that we could see Giuliani or even Attorney General Barr called before Congress? Well, it's absolutely possible because they have explicitly been named in this function, not in just a tertiary tangential relationship, but actually saying these two may have been on notice. They may have been complicit in some activity or had some information that goes beyond the scope of the actual complaint. Now, that's all ripe and fodder for having an investigation, which remember, we're here in an investigatory function. It's not yet a discussion about a trial or anything else. It's about trying to get information and going outside the four corners the actual complaint. What we're missing here as well is the inspector general for the intelligence community. What is it about his own personal investigation that made him believe it was both urgent and credible? Is there more information that they should actually be higher on a list in a subpoena or in a voluntary capacity? But they absolutely should be somebody who's game for at least, at the very least, an inquiry as to what they knew when, and especially William Barr. He is the attorney general. Yeah. If anyone can profess ignorance of the law, it's not him. And, and Carrie, uh, some really uh, surprising uh, news earlier today. Uh, President Trump behind closed doors, according to two sources reported by The New York Times, The L.A. Times and CNN, um, described the whistleblower sources, the people in his administration who talked to the whistleblower as, quote, close to a spy. And then he made this kind of long rambling comment about how in the good old days spies uh, would be dealt with differently. Uh, I imagine that's an allusion uh, to the days of the Rosenbergs and the like when spies were executed. Um, would that qualify as witness intimidation? It's just, well, I mean, first of all, for presidential behavior, it's disgraceful. He, he is supposed to be leading the executive branch, and these are people who are serving their country in public service um, and working on national security matters. So it's just, it's disgraceful. It potentially is obstructive behavior um, because he is intimidating people who are going to be or could be witnesses in front of a congressional investigation in addition to what other investigations might come out of all of this uh, as the facts unravel. So I think it is potentially obstructive behavior as well. And it's important to note this whistleblower followed the law. I mean, this person did everything that they could. According to, to McGuire, the acting director uh, of national intelligence, he followed the law. Exactly. According to what he testified today. So this person, this whistleblower followed the law. The individuals who are working in the National Security Council or the White House or wherever it was that that many of them. So over half a dozen provided information to this whistleblower indicates that there were many people in the White House concerned, gravely concerned with the information that they were seeing taking place. And, you know, the president's comments are exactly why you have a whistleblower protection act, because it's not just about being singled out for trying to tell the American people and ring the ring the bell, essentially, on, on, be, on abuse of power. Think about a corporation employee who has a, it's a consumer issue instead. You protect because we have a vested interest in understanding whether somebody is abiding by the law or whether there's going to be some risk in the national security front or otherwise. When the president comes out and says, I'm going to essentially ridicule and try to treat you perhaps with executing somebody who actually is trying to prevent a monarchy and separation of powers issue mm -hmm. from actually meaning something, that is a signal to you that this president fundamentally misunderstands, first of all, how hot the water he is currently bathing in. And number two, that this is all about abuse of power. Why would you react to somebody accusing you of abuse of power by saying, well, I'm going to condemn anybody who points out an abuse of power. It's yeah. completely unethical and nonsensical. And yet, here's where we are. And I'm sure that Attorney General Barr knows how unfond of Attorney General Sessions' decision to recuse himself 
from the Russia investigation, President Trump is. Sure. But I have to say, and I'm a layman, I'm not a lawyer, but he's all over the whistleblower complaint. And he does not seem to have recused himself, at least as far as we've been told, Mm -hmm. from any of this. Uh, The Justice Department, the Office of Legal Counsel, making decisions, weighing in. Wouldn't it just be standard ethical procedure? He's mentioned in this. I'm recusing myself. I'm having nothing to do with it. The deputy's in charge. You know, they really would need to do an analysis within the Justice Department as to whether or not there's a matter that's before him that would require his uh, recusal. I don't think we have enough information yet to know how involved or whether he was involved in the issuing of the OLC opinion. I think there's an argument that would OLC issue an opinion on this without consulting him, you know, probably is unlikely, but we don't know for sure. Um, The wise thing for him to do would be to consult with the Justice Department lawyers because he's mentioned in this complaint. But it's a little I mean, this is acting DNI McGuire is correct that this is an unusual yeah. case. And so this is not just like your everyday investigation. Isn't it's- it binding? I mean, if he asked the Justice Department ethics lawyers mm-hmm. what they thought, wouldn't that be a binding decision? Wouldn't he? No, have- he can he can take their advice or not oh, okay. take their advice. I mean, there is some discretion that's provided to him. All right, Laura Coates and Kerry Cordero, thanks so much for your expertise. We really appreciate it. He was the former White House counsel who warned of a cancer on Richard Nixon's presidency. Does John Dean think that there is any John Dean in the Trump administration, somebody who might issue the next warning? He joins me next. I began by telling the president that there was a cancer growing on the presidency. And if the cancer was not removed, the president himself would be killed by it. That was former White House counsel to President Richard Nixon, John Dean, who famously testified before Congress that President Nixon knew about the Watergate cover-up. Testimony widely considered to be the testimony that took down Nixon, ultimately. John Dean uh, joins me now. Um, Thanks so much uh, for joining us, uh, Mr. Dean. If you were President Trump's counsel right now, what would you advise him? Well, actually, today I'd have an obligation to go in. Uh, White House counsel... Uh, his client is the office of the president, not the person who occupies the office. So Pat Cipollone should be going in there and doing what I tried to do in an hour and 50 minute conversation where I tried to take the president through every problem he confronted with the Watergate cover up and sell him on hoping he'd bring his fist down on the table and say, this has got to end. Uh, he did exactly the opposite, Jake. Uh, this is the morning I think I first met Richard Nixon, actually. Based on the facts of what we know now, not not the speculation, but just the facts of the whistleblower complaint, which, you know, is not uh, has not been 100 percent corroborated. We don't know it to be fact. It might be credible, but we don't know it to be fact Uh, based on the the release of the transcript. um, Do you think that there is a cancer growing on the Trump presidency? I think there is very much a cancer growing on this presidency. There's a malignancy uh, that has spread, uh, that is spreading. Uh, We have a president who doesn't seem to even care if this is happening. He he has broken every norm uh, that we know of that uh, are the traditional guardrails for the presidency. Uh, He just doesn't seem to care about tradition. I don't think he has any knowledge of the presidency, Jake. He has no historical background. So he just plows ahead as if he was still in the real estate business and doing deals with people 
that he is not really in a position to do those kinds of deals today. He has laws he has to obey. He has a constitution he operates under. He doesn't seem to appreciate any of this or care to put himself uh, in a circle of people who will advise him what he should and shouldn't do. You tweeted yesterday before the whistleblower complaint was released, quote, Giuliani is not Trump's private lawyer. Trump pays him nothing. Rather, Rudy is a lawyer who has become Trump's co-conspirator. They're using the attorney-client privilege to hide criminal behavior, but it can't be used for that purpose. Sad day that lawyers back at core of scandal. Based on what you now have seen in the whistleblower complaint, can Giuliani uh, use attorney-client privilege to not answer questions? No, there's no way we have. There's also a crime fraud exception uh, that does not allow an attorney to hide behind that and have the conversations privileged. But just basically the arrangement is not that of a an attorney client. Uh, I haven't checked all the pleadings, but I the few I did see, I didn't see Rudy's name on any of them. Uh, he's not filing documents. Uh, he's a friend of the president who's using this. Uh, this cover, I don't think Rudy's even practicing law. I don't even know if his law license is active. So I, I don't think there is any privilege here, although he, the president certainly has a privilege with private attorneys. He does not have a privilege, however, with his White House counsel. Uh, another reason that uh, he may have concern about who he's dealing with in the White House. What, what was your response when you heard the New York Times reporting, which CNN and the LA Times have also confirmed, um, the LA Times has a recording of it, uh, of President Trump talking about how those in his administration who provided information to this whistleblower were close to a spy. And in the old days, spies would be dealt with differently, which, which seems to be a, a clear allusion to execution. Well, uh, you know, it, it again shows how uninformed he is about the process the people who get onto the National Security Council, and this is clearly not his staff, but the National Security Council staff uh, that's involved in all this. You can tell from the written documents and the uh, the knowledge levels and the, the way they approach these issues. And they have been so v- closely vetted uh, that there is just no way one of them could be a spy. Uh, these people have had to fill out forms that uh, are, are are massive and take a long time to form out, fill out. Uh, it, it's the uh, uh, it's standard operating procedure. It's the form that uh, Trump's children had trouble filling out and couldn't fill out, didn't fill all the blanks in. So there, there is, these are not spies. These are people who mm-hmm. are offended by his abuse of the process. I think you're referring to Jared Kushner, his son-in-law there. John Dean, thank you so much for your time. Yes. Really appreciate it. Did today change House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's plan for an impeachment inquiry? While the acting director of national intelligence was testifying, she was talking about her plans. Stay with us. Very prayerfully and patriotically. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to a special edition of The Lead, The White House in Crisis. I'm Jake Tapper. In less time than what would be your typical school day, today we've seen allegations from an intelligence community whistleblower that the President of the United States, according to the whistleblower, abused his power by leaning on a foreign leader to investigate Trump's political rival. We heard that the White House tried to bury that transcript using a server only intended for actual intelligence secrets. And now we have some new reporting, out first in the New York Times, of a president so angry 
that this all got out. He is seemingly longing for the death penalty for the officials in his own administration who cooperated with the whistleblower. Take a listen to the audio obtained by the Los Angeles Times. Who's the person who gave the whistleblower the information? Because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do in the old days when we were smart, right? The spies and treasons. Right? We used to handle it a little differently than we do now. <laughs> See, today we got our first look at the whistleblower complaint about President Trump, the one that sparked this impeachment inquiry. It says, quote, I have received information from multiple U.S. government officials that the president of the United States is using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 U.S. election. The whistleblower goes on to talk about the alleged White House efforts to keep all of this under wraps. The acting director of national intelligence testified before Congress earlier today saying, that the whistleblower and the inspector general, both of whom were the ones that brought this issue to the fore, both of whom were acting in good faith, he said. CNN Sarah Murray has the details of a very busy day here in Washington, details that could spell more trouble for the Trump presidency. Were you shocked at all by what you read? None of us is above the law in this country. The complaint relied on hearsay evidence. A bombshell whistleblower complaint made public today reveals that President Trump not only asked the Ukrainian president to have his 2020 rival Joe Biden and his son Hunter investigated. That call was perfect. It couldn't have been nicer. But White House officials were allegedly so alarmed they quickly moved to lock down records of the call. This set of actions underscored to me that White House officials understood the gravity of what had transpired in the call. The whistleblower complaint states officials allegedly moved the transcript of Trump's call to an electronic system typically used to store especially sensitive classified information. According to White House officials I spoke with, this was not the first time under this administration that a presidential transcript was placed into this code word level system solely for the purpose of protecting politically sensitive rather than national security sensitive information, according to the complaint. The complaint also alleges that Trump told Vice President Mike Pence in May to cancel a planned trip to attend the Ukrainian president's inauguration. Trump wanted to see how Ukrainian President Zelensky chose to act in office, the complaint states. I believe that this matter is unprecedented. Today, Acting Director of National Intelligence Joseph McGuire appeared before the House Intelligence Committee and defended his decision to take a whistleblower complaint that names the president straight to the White House. Such calls are typically subject to executive privilege. As a result, we consulted with the White House Counsel's Office and we were advised that much of the information in the complaint was, in fact, subject to executive privilege, a privilege that I do not have the authority to waive. McGuire refused to say whether he discussed the whistleblower complaint with the president, but he revealed that Trump never asked him to figure out the identity of the whistleblower. I can say, although I would not normally discuss my conversations with the president, I can tell you emphatically, no. President Trump ultimately allowed the complaint to be made public after an outcry from Congress. While Democrats condemned Trump's conduct outlined in the complaint. The president of the United States has betrayed his oath of office. Republicans mostly slammed Thursday's hearings as an effort to undermine Trump. I want to congratulate the Democrats on the rollout of their latest information warfare operation against the president. But as Trump and his GOP allies began taking aim at the unknown whistleblower's motives, McGuire said he believes the whistleblower acted in good faith. I think the whistleblower did the right thing. I think he followed the law every step of the way. 
Now, Jake, ultimately this was referred to the FBI as well as the Justice Department, and the Justice Department decided that there were no charges here to bring. They said the president's phone call with the Ukrainian president essentially wasn't anything of monetary value. He didn't violate any kind of campaign finance or election law there, but obviously uh, the ball's still rolling on the hill, Jake. All right, Sarah Murray, thanks so much. Let's chew over all this with our experts. And let me start with the former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, uh, Mike Rogers. You spent your entire career handling classified information with the FBI and then also in Congress. Uh, What did you think when you read uh, this whistleblower complaint? Uh, What did you make of it and how significant it is? Well, the fact that the IG did a preliminary review and found it credible, despite the fact that there was some concern up front that there could be some political bias, right? So that would normally slow things down if there were some thought uh, that this is getting even. I didn't like my boss because he fired me. I have some political bias because I don't like my boss's politics. So that is a real thing that they have to determine in the sense of this. So the IG inspector got through that piece of it. Now, they'll have to investigate that part to make sure that all of the other facts are true. But it's, it's a pretty damning document. I will say, as a, someone who handled whistleblower complaints, I'm surprised that they released it in the form that they did. I saw clues as I read it as to who may be involved in having this kind of an access to information. I hope they checked with this individual uh, and the IG before they released this report, because I'll guarantee you in this town, everybody and their brothers trying to put these clues together to figure out who this person is. And they deserved, I think, uh, to be anonymous in this process until it goes through its full investigation. But I will say... Pretty damning, I think. You know, and, and as a non-intelligence uh, consumer, one thing that really jumped out on the first day was reading this, reading the account of the whistleblower of the call, which we, you know, was, we, we were told that the whistleblower did not have access to the call. Mm-hmm. The account of it in the complaint is incredibly on target with what was actually uh, revealed in the rough the, transcript. The rough transcript. Yeah. And so it certainly, I think it establishes a baseline of credibility here because this person, they, they described that call to a T. Uh, and thus the other accusations in here uh, that they withheld a meeting, that they pulled back Pence, that there was a widespread understanding in the administration that the only way Zelensky was going to get a meeting was if he played ball on the Biden investigation. I think the, the, the one thing we can compare on this it comes out pretty well, and it gives a certain amount of credibility to whatever else is in there. And can I just say this? This is clear to me that this is not somebody who was in office gossip who heard this, mm. who yeah. wrote it down. This is somebody who was in the chain uh, of being able to legitimately get intelligence surrounding these calls, including the fact that they were read out on one of these calls. Yeah. tells me it's somebody in that chain. So that, if I'm looking at this from an investigative, I'm thinking that person is of value. And I'm going to guess that's why the IG came out and said this person's, despite other things, this person is credible to these allegations. And and Nia, the whistleblower just lays it out there. It says, quote, I have received information from multiple U.S. government officials that the president of the United States is using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 U.S. election. A pretty stunning uh, accusation. Yeah, it, it's stunning. You know, we've been talking about this uh, for a couple of days now, but anytime uh, I digest this information or read it, it's always shocking. It's always uh, stunning, uh, especially given the fact uh, that we just went through the Mueller report, mm. all sorts of accusations uh, leveled at this president about involvement uh, with a foreign uh, government with the 2016 election. And then we fast forward to now uh, and over the last couple of months with these meetings and, and these calls uh, that he was having that 
we have the readout of. Here he was doing exactly what people were accusing him of him doing uh, in 2016, leveraging the power of the White House and uh, in, in soliciting help from a foreign government to meddle in the, the 2020 election. Going forward, what does this mean? It looks like uh, if you're a Democrat, you're you know on the road to impeachment. We saw sort of uh, you know not quite an impeachment hearing, the beginning of it. Um, but but you know that's what's going to happen over these next couple of weeks. We'll see what Republicans do. They didn't put up much Whoa. of a, a defense of the president. No one is coming out and saying the president would never do something right. like this. Yeah. The president uh, loves this country. He would never put uh, his own interests above this country. Uh, and there's, there's sort of crickets on that end. And the president essentially saying, yes, he did it, at least this phone call. And, and so what? And the, the response from Republicans, as mm-hmm. Nia points out, is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. On Capitol Hill today, uh, the Republicans basically just were attacking the Democrats. Right. Uh, and, and that was it. It wasn't, as Nia points out, they weren't saying, President Trump, you're, mis- you're misconstruing what mm-hmm. the transcript says, or this is the, the more innocent explanation. It's just Democrats, this is a joke, they're horrible people. And really kind of crickets from the White House, no real denials about the essential allegation, which is proven and has been spoken out loud by President Trump and Rudy Giuliani. Yes, we were pushing the Ukrainians to investigate Joe Biden and his son. That's exactly right. And I think watching the Republicans today, it was clear they didn't know what to say. I mean, they went to kind of a knee jerk place in this hearing, uh, attack the Democrats, as you said. Uh, No one is denying the details and facts of this. It would be hard to do that, given how damning, as Mike Rogers said, the uh, whistleblower complaint is. But we also have, this is very different in a lot of ways, but then the discussion we've been having about the Mueller report for years, because there are Trump's own words that we are looking at in the notes of this call. This is current. We're talking about a threat to the 2020 election, which is happening right now. So this is a lot more challenging, I think, politically, uh, it, well, national security purposes, certainly, but also politically for, for Republicans to kind of but it is worth uh, stay away from. Some of the Senate Republicans <clears throat> basically have dismissed it as you know a nothing burger and that there is there is no issue here. And I think that the uh, the investigation that will uh, uh, kind of fill out some of the other points that the, the whistleblower raises, particularly this idea that. Zelensky, the, the, the president of Ukraine, is not getting the meeting he wants until it is clear that he is playing ball. It's going to be awful hard. If, if, there's, a, if there's strong evidence for that, how do you then turn around and say that the president is not, in fact, exactly where, where I, But I, well, I do think they'll go and say, listen, it's all subject to interpretation. There is no slam dunk here. It's subject to interpretation. This was one person's interpretation. Uh, we're going to put together uh, our interpretation, and now it's a he said, she said. If they, if the administration get to a he said, he, uh, she said, I don't think you can impeach. Right. I just don't think you can. Except, of course, the whistleblower was talking to administration officials who. That's no, where you're I'm be saying that's, that's where, their defense. That, exactly. if, if I were them, that's where that's I would go. Be. I don't I know if they have any. I, I, I think we would both say. We have to take a quick break. We have to take. We'll come back. Continue this exact conversation. Former director of national intelligence James Clapper is also going to join us on all of the breaking news for this special edition of The Lead, The White House in Crisis. Stay with us. Welcome back to our special edition of The Lead, White House in Crisis. I want to continue the conversation with my panel. Uh, and Jen Psaki, one of the things that the whistleblower alleges in the complaint is that after this conversation with the Ukrainian president, between President Trump and the Ukrainian president, the White House mm-hmm. locked down that transcript and put it in, in a place uh, in a server internally uh, that is usually just only for 
top secret information, not for politically sensitive information. Yeah, beyond, what does that tell you? Beyond top secret, I mean, code word clearance is the highest level. I mean, that's, a, that's for very senior members of the national security apparatus. That's like um, the names of spies and, uh, and sources. And- it, yes, exactly. It's information that is incredibly sensitive that uh, a broad range of people, even in the White House, who all have top, secur- top secret security clearance wouldn't have access to. It tells me that they are trying to bury this in the farthest Ooh. vault Ooh. from any uh, eyes, even in the White House, that they possibly can. Now, this is used when, uh, when the information is extremely sensitive. There's a reason for having code word clearance uh, documents and servers, certainly, and most White Houses have used it um, you know, with that in mind. This was politically inconvenient for President Trump. It made him look bad, of course. Obviously, it could be criminally damaging. This would not be the purpose of why you would use this. So, um, you know, it tells me they were trying to bury it, even from many, many eyes in the White House. Could that be a crime, Chairman Rogers? Could it? I mean, could uh, that? No, because the president has the right to classify and declassify mm. at anything. Anything. So the problem is, did they go outside the channels? My argument is, if you, if you, you know, when I was an FBI guy, we always tell the guys we're looking at, if you don't want people to think you're guilty, then don't act like you're guilty, right? Let's talk about it. And so what they, what they could do is, if it went out of normal channels, not instructed by the president, then they might have something. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really hard place to get to, like how would that actually happen? Uh, but it is, I think, leads to, you know, certainly all the smoke that you're seeing around this. That certainly is what, you know, in the FBI we would call a clue yeah. uh, that something out of the ordinary was going on with information contained. Because as we saw it released, none of that would be code word. And, and, and Nia, it completely undermines. If it is true that the White House staffers <laughs> took this information and put it in this top secret you know, code word, whatever, code word yeah. clearance server then it completely undermines President Trump's argument this was a perfect phone Beautiful, call. Right? Beautiful perfect call. Nothing was wrong on it. Yeah, I think that's right. It undermines his argument and also undermines the argument of his allies who are essentially uh, saying the same thing, that the president uh, was just acting within the, the bounds of his authority in a normal way. I think Vice President Pence had an interview uh, last night on Fox where he essentially uh, said the same thing. I mean, people, according to this complaint... People inside the White House were worried about this call. They were worried about what it meant, about what the president was doing with his authority. And they were worried in part because of the pattern of behavior that led up to it, Mm -hmm. right? Which is going to be, I think, critical in the investigation where you have the allegation that it was widely understood inside the administration that the Ukrainian officials were not going to get the meeting they wanted until they agreed to do this. And of course, we had the interview with a former advisor to the president, to Zelensky, uh, who told ABC yesterday that was the widespread understanding in Ukraine as well. From the other side, and it's the context of the of the call that becomes much richer and more clear if you see it not as a one-off, but as a continuation of a message that the administration, according to the, the whistleblower, have been sending for months. And you and- talked about what Vice President Pence said on the president's favorite channel last night. I want to go back in time, 100 years, actually mm-hmm. just three Ooh. years, to the <laughs> vice presidential debate of 2016 and a principle of American politics that then-Governor Mike Pence laid out. Now, you all need to know out there, this is, this is basic stuff. Foreign donors and certainly foreign governments cannot participate in the American political process. 
Foreign governments cannot participate in the American political process. It's basic stuff. Oh, they can. Yeah. It's it's basic stuff, and you have Pence there in his sort of folksy way uh, saying that. I mean, it's and this, I think, is an example of how far Republicans have come from the Republicans that we all know and and grew up with. Uh, They have some explaining to do. This is an unfortunate and uncomfortable set of facts uh, for them, and that's why you see Pence uh, sounding very differently now uh, than he did before. Everyone stick around. We've got a lot more to talk about. What was it like to be in the room during a phone call like the one President Trump had with the Ukrainian president, except not really like that one? The director of national intelligence under President Obama, James Clapper, may have some ideas. He's coming up next. Welcome back to a special edition of The Lead, the White House in crisis. Another remarkable day on Capitol Hill. Today, the acting director of national intelligence testified about the whistleblower complaint outlining concerns about President Trump's apparent efforts to try to use a foreign power to damage a political rival. Joining me now to talk about it is James Clapper, the former director of national intelligence under President Obama. Uh, General Clapper, thanks so much for joining us, as always. Um, First of all, I just want to start by asking you your thoughts about the whistleblower complaint, which was uh, unclassified and released today. Well, first of all, uh, I've seen a lot of whistleblower complaints during the time I was DNI, and this had to be the best composed, best written, best documented uh, such complaint I've ever seen. Uh, Obviously done by a seasoned, mature, capable intelligence professional written like an intelligence document, Um, and it's very clear. uh, It it points out what he knows, what he doesn't know, he or she, whoever it is, uh, so I thought it was very compelling. Have you ever heard before of an American president, you were in the government long before you worked for President Obama, of an American president pushing a foreign government to dig up dirt to investigate a political rival? Is that something you've ever heard of before? No. Uh, and in the two positions that I occupied, the last two uh, in uh, the, for 10 years as undersecretary in the Pentagon uh, for intelligence in the Pentagon and then as DNI for six and a half years, I, I certainly never witnessed anything like that. I, I, I can't speak to previous administrations I, I served in over my 50 years in intelligence, uh, but I just wasn't in a position to observe that. And what do you make of the White House officials, according to the whistleblower, <laughs> apparently realizing how damaging this phone call was and putting the transcript? Uh, in this very secure server only used for top-secret information right. among the national security I- I- Well, on its face, it, it's not improper or illegal uh, to place, uh, to have, have material of a, of a lower classification placed in a um, file uh, or in a network that has the, con- has the capacity for a higher uh, classification. The issue here is, of course, motive or intent, where they're trying to restrict this because of embarrassment or worse, wrongdoing, which seems to be the case here. Um, CNN has learned that earlier today, President Trump told some uh, people at the United States uh, mission to the U.N. uh, that he wants to know who in the administration cooperated with the whistleblower, uh, saying that those people are close to a spy and uh, saying that they were dealt with differently uh, in the old days, uh, an apparent allusion uh, to um, execution. Execution, right. Yeah. Um, Is that witness intimidation? Is that, I mean, what do you think of it? (laughs) At a minimum, it is witness retaliation. It's actually, certainly, uh, it 
conflicts with the spirit of, of the Intelligence Community uh, Whistleblower Protection Act, because that's what is one of the purposes is to insulate complaining complainants from retaliation. So clearly, this is <laughs> retaliation threatened in in, in the worst way, and. What's really bad about it is that this is going to have a very chilling effect on any other whistle, potential whistleblowers uh, if this is going to be the, the, uh, the result and a threat like that from no less than the president. The acting director of national intelligence, that's the job that you had, except you were confirmed uh, director of national intelligence. The acting director, Joe McGuire, went before the House Intelligence Committee today uh, and he got some tough questions about how come when he got this complaint, right. which mentions in the first paragraph President Trump and Attorney General Barr, he went to places where they worked, the White House and the Department of Justice. Um, His answer was, this was an unprecedented situation and he didn't know uh, what else to do. What did you think of that? Well, first I thought Joe McGuire did a masterful job in a very, very difficult circumstance. And he's been acting DNI for what, six weeks? And he was in a very tough place, starting, and there are a couple of reasons for this. One is the ambiguity of the law itself, the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act, which is silent, not surprisingly, on the subject. What happens when the objective of the complaint is the President of the United States? It doesn't treat that. So I think, I'm sure he had a lot of discussions with his general counsel, and uh, I think he did the correct thing institutionally, which is to uh, consult, or, or his, perhaps his general counsel did, with the White House Counsel's Office, and or the uh, Office of Legal Counsel in the Department of Justice, which is this, the senior level authority, the senior voice for legal issues in the executive branch. That was the right thing to do institutionally. Politically, was it the right thing to do? To consult with uh, the target of the complaint. Uh, and I, I hope, and I'm sure he did, uh, have a discussion about the, the pros and cons of doing that with his general counsel. I mean, said that, like many con- other controversial decisions that figures of late have made, like Jim Comey and now Joe McGuire, I think he did it for absolutely what he thought were the right reasons. He's trying to thread a very tough needle there, mm-hmm. a very small needle, between complying with the law, which he co- clearly understands and supports, and at the same time not running too far afoul of the White House. And that, I think that's the line he was trying to traverse. General Clapper, always good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Coming up next, Rudy Giuliani just said that he will be the hero when all of this is over. Yes, he really said that. Stay with us. The president stunned his own staffers this morning when in front of a room of career foreign service officers, he said he wants to know who in his administration gave information to the whistleblower. He called those people, quote, close to a spy, according to two sources in the room. And as CNN's Pamela Brown reports for us now, the president is clearly fuming over how everything is going down. President Trump punching back today after his acting intelligence director, Joseph McGuire, testified before the House Intel Committee. I just watched a little bit of this on television. It's a disgrace to our country. It's another witch hunt. Here we go again. The president is upset the complaint ever came to be since the whistleblower never actually heard the call. The New York Times and L.A. Times both reporting that in a meeting with U.S. United Nations staff this morning, the president attacked the whistleblower's sources about Trump's phone call with the new Ukrainian president. Who's the person who gave the whistleblower the information? Because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do 
the old days when we were smart, right? The spies and treason. We used to handle it a little differently than we do now. What these guys are doing, Democrats, are doing to this country is a disgrace, and it shouldn't be allowed. There should be a way of stopping it. The president also attacked Democrats for holding the hearing. Thank you for your support. Despite the intelligence community inspector general concluding the whistleblower's complaint to be credible. They can't do any work. They're frozen, the Democrats. They're going to lose the election. They know it. That's why they're doing it. And it should never be allowed what's happened to this president. And CNN has learned Trump's 2016 campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, has recently had conversations with multiple White House officials about joining the administration in a crisis management role as part of a larger impeachment defense team. This comes just a week after Lewandowski admitted to Congress he doesn't have to be honest with the media. I have no obligation to have a candid conversation with the media whatsoever. The discussions with Lewandowski reflect growing concern within the White House that the president lacks a clear strategy to manage the impeachment inquiry. Multiple allies have suggested creating a team solely committed to handling the matter, with other aides arguing White House officials already in place are more than prepared to combat House Democrats. And here at the White House, the president appears to be consumed with talk of impeachment amid the whistleblower complaint fallout, targeting the whistleblower on Twitter by saying he or she has a known bias. Well, today, acting DNI uh, said the whistleblower acted in good faith and also that he didn't know the identity of the whistleblower. And Jake, there's no evidence that the president knows the identity either, even though he continues to launch attacks. Jake. All right, Pamela Brown, thanks so much. Uh, let's chew over all this. Ron, President Trump saying about so-called spies, right. although it's not a spy right. to cooperate with a whistleblower, but put that aside for a second. We used to handle it a little differently than we do now. That, to me, sounds like he's talking about when they used to execute spies. Mm -hmm. You know, what the president said both in private and public today, to me, it was just more proof that when all you have is a hammer, everything, even this, looks like a nail. Because the president's go-to response to any political challenge is to basically say, cultural elites and the deep state are going after me because they want to silence you, my voters. And that will be what we'll hear probably by tomorrow and by the next day. And that will be the message that this is this is not about the substance. This is about elites who look down on you trying to take me out because I am defending you. And the problem I think he has is that where that might be effective, theoretically, mm -hmm. in the Democratic caucus is among the 31 Democrats in Trump districts many of whom, looking at the substance of this, became leaders. Really, they're the ones who triggered the movement toward impeachment. And he has a substantive problem here that I think a lot of voters are going to look at and be uneasy with that is that that you can't answer solely by kind of using the same hammer to bang in the same nail for his course. And of orders. It does seem to be that one of the problems and liabilities he has in this, at least according to the whistleblower, uh, is Rudy Giuliani, uh, the president's personal attorney. The whistleblower identifies Giuliani as a, quote, central figure and says U.S. officials were, quote, deeply concerned by what they viewed as Mr. Giuliani's circumvention of national security decision-making processes, which seems to be just factual based on what Giuliani has said publicly about going to Ukraine or reaching out to uh, the Ukraine government. Giuliani just did an interview with The Atlantic this afternoon. He seemed very angry, according to the reporter, and he said, quote, it is impossible that the whistleblower is a hero, and I'm not, and I will be the hero. These morons, when this is over, I will be the hero. Uh, what do you make of all this? Yeah. <laughs> Look at the time. Yeah. So, listen, I, uh, obviously, there, th this is a corner dog that's biting a little bit. 
I will say this. I mean, it is highly unusual that they released the entire whistleblower document before verification of the material therein. So uh, if if I were the president, if I were Giuliani, uh, you know, my recommendation to them would say, hey, listen, this this, you don't do this this way. Didn't the inspector general verify some of the information? No, he did a preliminary Mm -hmm. review. That's not an investigation. Mm -hmm. So what you would do is you would take a, a whistleblower complaint like this and then you do a proper investigation. Because who knows? Maybe it, they, this person said they talked to five people. They only talked to one. But who, who would do that investigation? Well, normally it would be done by the IG. And then the IG would have the capability to do all and access anything that they needed to do. So, I mean, that is a normal way to do it. I do think that's a little odd. I, I, you know, as a, somebody who believes in due process, I'm not sure I would have done it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, now the, the, all the people ringing the bell of impeachment and, and feigning and all of that. I don't think helps the Democrats' cause, candidly, but gives them an avenue. And I wouldn't have let them have an avenue if you believe that he really did all these things. You would have done it the proper way. So, again, I think Giuliani's cornered. You, what you're seeing is somebody biting back a little bit. They're getting a little defensive. I think the same with the president. president coming out and attacking the whistleblower versus saying, you know, taking a very different tact in this that would be, I think, more stately. I think all just serves to convince people who are opposed to the president he's guilty, people who are with the president have to scratch their head, and the people in the middle are going, my God, will this ever end? We should do a column of all the times <laughs> he took the more stately option. <laughs> that would be... The president, sure. he, the president said he watched acting DNI McGuire's testimony from Air Force One. Um, the president said nice things about uh, the whistleblower, about the inspector general. Do you think the president liked what he saw? You know, probably not. Um, You know, again, I mean, it wasn't like he was coming out to defend the president. You had Democrats treating him essentially like a a hostile witness. uh, And Republicans weren't able to, you know, even though they were very gracious and and commending him for his uh, decades of service to the country, they weren't even able to, to, you know, score many points for the president's side uh, either. So I imagine he came away sort of ambivalent about uh, about his his performance there. Typically, we have seen... Uh, folks who come before Congress in this way, the idea of the audience of one, right? And yeah. kind of testifying uh, with the president. Like Lewandowski. Mind. Exactly. Yeah. And this, of course, didn't happen today. What did you think of the acting DNI McGuire's testimony today? You know, look, I think it's not an easy thing to do. Um, it's He hasn't been in the job very long. Um, I, I do think that he exhibited some clear... Um, you know, poor judgment as it, as it relates to process that probably matters far less now because of all the information that is out there. He said some really important things that, you know, Democrats will say on the political front are helpful for them in moving the process forward, including his validation of the whistleblower, including his validation of the need to investigate. Uh, and essentially, he did his job. Um, you know, there will be, qual- you know, questions and criticisms about certain points, but but I think he did his job. So thank you all, uh, one and all, for, for being here and talking about this. Uh, you, if you didn't get enough Mike Rogers on this panel, you can watch Mike Rogers, the for- former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee on CNN, this Sunday night, the return of his fantastic series, Declassified, the Untold Stories of America's Spies. Uh, that uh, is Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Be sure to watch it. Coming up, did President Trump commit a crime? That's a key question. Stay with us. And we're back with our special edition of The Lead, The White House in Crisis. A whistleblower complaint is jumpstarting a brand new investigation into potential election interference by President Trump. I want to bring in two CNN legal analysts. Uh, and, Carrie, let me start with you. From what we know about the whistleblower complaint, if it's true, if it's accurate, and if the 
transcript of the conversation is accurate. Mm -hmm. Is that a crime? I think there's a pretty good argument that it's potentially a violation of the bribery statute. So he's a public official. The president was a public official um, seeking something from a foreign government official and potentially offering something in uh, in exchange, an official act in exchange. So it's not detailed in the text of the call we have itself, but there are references in the conversation to defense arrangements that were between the two countries. Um, I think a significant area of the investigation of the House Intelligence Committees needs to be the circumstances around the withholding of the foreign aid to Ukraine and how that was connected to the president's request to the Ukrainian president regarding whether or not they would help him uh, dig up dirt on his political opponents. If those pieces start to marry up, um, in addition to just his connection in the conversation itself about, well, the U.S. government is very helpful to Ukraine and general talk that he mm-hmm. gave. And so I want you to do us a favor. That's that's bribery. But it's also conduct prohibited by the Constitution. I think it's a violation of his uh, oath of office. And the constitutions require that he take care that the laws be faithfully executed. And, and Laura, the, the argument from the White House and from the president's defenders is there was no uh, explicit direct quid pro quo. It was not. Lindsey Graham had some sort of scenario. He was asked, what would a quid pro quo look like? And it was something like, if you don't do this for me, then you won't get this money Is that necessary? No, and that's not how crimes are committed. The idea of if you expressly do this, if you get dirt, then I will perform the following functions for you. You can have it through circumstantial. You can have it through innuendo. You can have whatever the meeting of the minds look like to say, listen, this is what I want from you in exchange for an official act, the distribution of the congressional funds. It can be very, very, very quite clear. And I think people hide behind this Latin term of quid pro quo to say, oh, no, we have to actually have that. I very rarely ever had a case, and most people do not then say, If then, you don't have that sort of connectivity. But what you do have is the tissue around it to show the circumstance, how it was interpreted. And remember, the whistleblower complaint talks about this issue about what was what was allegedly posted by the Ukrainian president's government on his website about what he interpreted a conversation to be. And he says, if we essentially are going to be helpful in a corruption or helpful in an investigation, We'll have some benefits there. Well, he's outlined to you what he interpreted from that context. Having the language quid pro quo, I mean, that'd be great, but it's never been necessary. And, and very quickly, if you could, are there other people who might have legal exposure here? For instance, White House officials who took the transcript because it was politically damaging and put it in, in this classified server if they did so because they thought it was a crime and they were trying to hide it. Does that is that a crime? This I, is all hypothetical. Yeah, course. that that's hypothetical. And I think we need more facts to determine um, particularly the reasons behind why White House officials were putting these conversations, these summaries of conversations into this separate secure uh, system. All right, Carrie, Laura, thank you both for your expertise. As always, more breaking news. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi previewing her strategy for the impeachment inquiry. Stay with us. Speaker of the House move to have impeachment inquiry without one word of evidence before she even read it. Now the evidence is out, and I think she knows, owes the American public an apology. Two very different views of what happened today. Many House Republicans are arguing that there's nothing to see here. Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Democrats say that they have seen proof of a cover-up. Let's go to CNN's Manu Raju on Capitol Hill. And Manu, you have some brand new reporting on Speaker Pelosi's strategy when it comes to the impeachment inquiry. What what is it? 
Yeah, she wants to keep the focus exclusively for now on the Ukraine matter, the controversy, the handling, the aftermath. That's what she wants to narrow the focus of this impeachment inquiry on. And if they do move down the road of articles of impeachment, then that would essentially be what the focus of the articles of impeachment would be. Now, for months, of course, the allegations of obstruction of justice, as detailed in the Mueller report, have been the focus of the House Judiciary Committee. But now the House Intelligence Committee is going to look into the Ukraine matter because this falls under their purview. Now, Earlier today, Nancy Pelosi detailed why she's taking this route. This is the focus of the moment because this is the charge. All of the other work that relates to abuse of power, uh, ignoring subpoenas of government, of, of Congress, uh, abuse, uh, uh, contempt of Congress by him, those things will be considered later. Now, she, Nancy Pelosi and other Democratic leaders just met behind closed doors with vulnerable freshman Democrats, including many who had resisted calls for moving forward with an impeachment inquiry. And I'm told in that closed door meeting, Democrat after Democrat raised their own views. Some had concerns. Some made clear that they support the idea of keeping this a narrow investigation, not broadening it out, because broadening it out could potentially lose support from some of these members, which is one reason why Pelosi wants to keep it this way, Jake, because at the end of the day, she needs 218 votes if they decide to impeach the president. Jake. All right, Manu Raju on Capitol Hill. Thank you so much. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Jake Tapper. You can tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. I'll be back at 11 p.m. Eastern with Anderson Cooper. Stay with us. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.